Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist analysis podcast from the Socialist Party. The Brexit crisis facing the Tories should be an opportunity for Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party to put a clear pro-worker line on this and other issues, strengthening their position for the general election that could be around the corner. But instead, Labour faces its own crises, with the independent group split and the outrageous suspension of Chris Williamson for alleged anti-Semitism. This week, we're discussing the current stage of the struggle to transform Labour. Over to Sarah Rack. I'm here today with Socialist Party Deputy General Secretary Hannah Sell. Hi. And we're going to be discussing some of the latest developments in the Labour Party, um, which have been quite a lot of since we last discussed on the podcast. So to start with, Hannah, do you think that we're at a turning point for Corbyn's leadership of Labour? Potentially, yes, I think we could be. Um, there's two issues. One is that we could be facing a general election very quickly. Let's see what happens next week. But this government really could be reaching the end of the road. So Corbyn needs to be preparing for that by going on a political offensive against the Tories, but also against the pro-capitalist wing of his own party. And unfortunately... On the latter, exactly the opposite is taking place. So um, it was a big mistake to accede to the pressure to suspend Chris Williamson. It's it's ridiculous to suggest that what he is reported as saying was anti-Semitic. There is nothing to investigate. We're totally opposed to anti-Semitism. And that's what he was saying. He was saying that he is totally opposed to anti-Semitism and that it must be dealt with. But he also said the Labour leadership is being too apologetic because anti-Semitism is being taken up wherever it occurs in the Labour Party and it's not more widespread in the Labour Party than in the rest of society. And for making those completely correct points, he's been suspended. And it was so obvious, you know, Theresa May calls for it in Prime Minister's questions Mm. and by tea time he's been suspended. They retreated under pressure from the Tories, the capitalist class, and the pro-capitalist wing of their own party. And weakness invites aggression. Ever since that happened, then the attacks on Corbyn have been growing in strength, particularly from the Blairites within the Labour Party. So one aspect of those attacks that he's faced in the, the recent period is obviously the formation of the independent group. What do you think is shown by that happening? Well, I think it's a very concrete demonstration of what the Socialist Party has argued ever since Jeremy Corbyn was elected. Because we said that it was a step forward, a big step forward potentially, but on its own, it wasn't a transformation of the Labour Party into an anti-austerity party. That Labour was had a potential anti-austerity party beginning to be formed around Jeremy Corbyn, but at the same time, the majority of the Parliamentary Labour Party, the majority of councillors, remained Blairite, remained pro-capitalist, pro-austerity, pro-privatisation. Um, and now a group of them have gone and shown what we said to be true. Because, you know, they leave and within, what was it, a day, two days, then a group of Tories have gone to join them. Tories that voted for all of Cameron's austerity policies, that voted for all of the benefit cuts and the other misery that's been infl- inflicted. And it's no surprise that these Labour MPs are prepared to unite with them. After all, all of them are people who abstained on the welfare bill, for example. So themselves have done nothing in Parliament to fight against austerity on those key issues. 
Chuck Amuna has consistently fulminated against any nationalisation of anything, etc. But yeah, the reality of what we've talked about has been shown by this group leaving. But it is just a group, isn't it? And as you said, we've kind of pointed out previously that um, in reality, the majority of the parliamentary Labour Party and councillors and so on um, are... Uh, you know that's kind of dominated by the the Blairite wing of the party so why is it such a small group why have most of them stayed where they are it's a very good question that um, I would say in reality the independent group are kind of outriders for the Blairites as a whole Um, it's noticeable that Tom Watson deputy leader of the Labour Party did criticise them. He mainly criticised Corbyn, saying Corbyn had to do more to prevent others leaving. Um, But he did criticise them, but he criticised them not for what they stand for, not even for leaving, he criticised them for being premature. And and that's the reality of the position of the majority of the Blairites. Even Tony Blair himself Mm. has said he sympathises with them, but he's not going at the moment. Triggered by Brexit, and they're all ardent pro-Remainers, the ones who've actually joined the independent group, pro-capitalist Remainers, then they've gone now. But the big bulk of the pro-capitalist wing of the Labour Party, as you said, remain inside the Labour Party and are using the independent group as a lever to exert pressure on Corbyn to try and get him to retreat. Um, And so we've seen Watson has launched this new anti-Corbyn, effectively, social democratic group forum, it's called, inside of the Labour Party. Uh, The deputy political editor of The Times said that this grouping is already committed to carrying out new policy work and could eventually have its own spokespeople and even separate whipping arrangements, which could make it easier for the group one day to declare its independence from Corbyn's leadership and morph into a new party. So there you go. It's it's a new party within the shell of the Labour Party that is using the people who've left as a lever to try and uh, put pressure on Corbyn. Why are they doing that rather than just going themselves? I think the answer to that is pretty simple. Um... They think Corbyn could win a general election, mm. that the Tories could collapse, that you could see a Corbyn government coming to power, and they don't want to leave Labour in the hands of Corbyn. They want to stay there to try and block him implementing any radical pro-working class policies that would uh, you know, be against the interests of big business and the super rich. So that's what they're staying for. It's not loyalty. It's in order to do the same job as the independent group, but inside of the Labour Party instead of outside. And so what should have been Corbyn's response to that split? Well, he should have gone on the offensive. Um, It's clear that there are many people who are really angry about uh, Chris Williamson being suspended. The people who joined Labour, who supported Labour because they were enthused by Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell, those people can still be mobilised. And if he was to make a clear call to the hundreds of thousands of people inside the Labour Party, but also outside in the trade unions, people in socialist parties like ourselves, to say that he wanted to launch a campaign to make sure that Labour won a general election with clear socialist policies and he wasn't going to accept any more nonsense from the Blairites, he would get a big echo for that kind of approach. And, And what sort of things does that mean doing? If you look at the ones that left, the split, 
Most of them went because they saw the writing on the wall in their own constituencies, that their local Labour parties wanted to deselect them. And that's what pushed them into jumping at this point in time. So the best response to how you deal with these Blairites who are now going on the offensive is to step that up. Start the trigger ballot process, which enables every local Labour party to fight to hold their MP to account or to replace them if that's what they think uh, is necessary and publicly say that he wants in the Parliamentary Labour Party MPs who are against austerity, who are against war, who stand up for working class people and call on ordinary Labour Party members to fight for those kind of MPs in their local areas. Say, if you vote for pro-austerity policies to the Labour MPs that are in Parliament at the moment, I am going to withdraw the whip. I'm not going to let you carry on voting with Tories or abstaining. I will draw the whip if you behave in that way. And launch a campaign like that as part of a root and a campaign for a root and branch transformation of the Labour Party structures to turn it into a democratic federal party where the rights of the trade unions are restored, which they haven't been since Corbyn uh, came to power, um, but also where all socialists, including people like ourselves, are welcome in the Labour Party, different organisations come together to fight for anti-austerity policies. And that isn't just a question of organisational measures to change the Labour Party. It has to be linked to a political campaign to say, to really fight for, some of the things that he does say, but to say them louder and more consistently that what is needed uh, is a general election now and that he will be contesting that general election on a £10 an hour minimum wage, mass council house building, abolishing universal credit and linking those day-to-day policies, free education as well, linking those policies to socialist policies for nationalisation of the major corporations of the bank and the banks so that the economy can be bought into democratic public ownership and run in the interests of the millions instead of the billionaires. So he needs that kind of political approach as well. Um, at the same time, I think it's important that there's a stand taken against what the Labour councils are doing because, you know, budgets are going through at the moment that are carrying out huge cuts. John McDonnell, particularly a shadow chancellor, should be saying we're fighting for a general election and we're saying to every Labour councillor in the country, don't vote for a single cut more. Protect public services in your local area. And we pledge that as soon as we come to power, we will refund any money that you spent from your reserves or have borrowed in order to prevent cuts to local services. So linking it to those issues as well. And if he took that kind of approach, I think he would be able to begin to mobilise active support for a general election, calling for a national demonstration of the trade unions of working class people, demanding a general election, but also linking that to transforming the Labour Party. But unfortunately, that's not the approach we're seeing, is it? Um, And particularly on the points about uh, transforming Labour um, in terms of democracy and so on. Uh, As you mentioned at the start, a particularly bad indicator of that is the suspension of Chris Williamson, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Look, unfortunately, what's happened, particularly over the course of the last week or so, is an acceleration of doing the wrong thing, of taking the wrong approach. Um, because they're retreating under attack. And unfortunately, Corbyn is getting very bad advice from lots of supposed left commentators. People like Owen Jones, Ash Sarker, they're all lining up to say, oh, it's the right thing to do. Yes, you should have suspended Chris Williamson. But we have to be clear, 
no amount of concessions from the Labour left will prevent the capitalists and the right wing of the Labour Party continuing to attack Corbyn. The only thing that would reconcile these right-wing plotters to Corbyn's leadership would be if he prostrated himself in front of them, supported privatisation, promised to do nothing for working-class people. Nothing else is enough for them, and they're determined to get him out, and weakness invites aggression. He needs to go onto the offensive against them, and there's a real danger that if he continues not to do that, it will demoralise. This has happened to some extent already, but it can happen more the people who were enthused by Corbyn's leadership, who did sign up to the Labour Party or get active or go to the rallies and could be mobilised, but they can begin to think, you're not serious. You're not prepared to stand up to these people and they can drift off. And there's also a broader issue, which is about working class people voting for Labour because people aren't stupid. They know that Corbyn's programme is in opposition to the interests of big business and that we live in a society that is dominated by a few billionaires, really, who, you know, own and control the means of production, uh, industry and decide what takes place. And they realise a government that would implement policies in the interests of the working class majority, that would implement Corbyn's policies, has to stand up to those people. And you've got to be serious. And Corbyn begins to give the impression that he hasn't got the gumption on a very basic level. If you're not prepared to stand up to the Blairite plotters in your own party, are you going to be prepared to stand up to big business? So it does send a bad impression and it urgently needs to be reversed. And so on on the issue of Chris Williamson then, um, a simple question, I suppose, (laughs) as you outlined what the allegations are against him. Um, has the response to accusations of anti-Semitism in Labour been too apologetic? Yes, <laughs> yes. There's no, you know, there's just no doubt about it. Of course, where there are genuine cases of anti-Semitism, they must be dealt with. You know, no question about that. We are absolutely in favour of firm action against anybody guilty of any kind of anti-Semitism or other forms uh, of racism, but. There is no evidence that anti-Semitism is high in the Labour Party. In fact, even the parliamentary, even Parliament's research shows that overall it's lower in the Labour Party than it is in society as a whole. Jenny Formby, the General Secretary of the Labour Party, has reported in the last 10 months there were 453 party members that have been investigated for anti-Semitism. That's less than a tenth of 1% of the membership. And that is people who've been investigated. It's not judging how many of those people are guilty or otherwise. In other words, it's a small problem. People like Tom Watson outrageously argue that the ex-Labour, because she's now part of the independent group, Wavered Tree MP Luciana Berger, was bullied out of her own party by racist thugs. Let's be clear, she did suffer serious anti-Semitic attacks and the people responsible for them were rightly taken to court, but they they were neo-Nazis, they weren't Labour Party members. And uh, the Labour Party in Wavertree are absolutely opposed to anti-Semitism, but have argued against Luciana Berger, have wanted to hold her to account because she refused to say she would support a Jeremy Corbyn-led Labour government and was clearly considering leaving Labour, abandoning them for a purely pro-capitalist party, which is what she represents. And that was their democratic right, and they were right to do that. And the problem you get is 
you have a a pro-capitalist right of the Labour Party who are determined to damage Corbyn any way they can and they launch false attacks of anti-Semitism, for, for example, against the Wavertree constituency Labour Party. And if your response to that is to go, oh, yes, yes, we're sorry, we're sorry, when you're not guilty, and that isn't rightly the response of Wavertree Labour Party, but there's been a big element of that on a national basis, it doesn't prevent the criticism. It just accelerates. They see weakness and they criticise more and more. And then you give a wrong impression to workers and young people around the country that maybe Labour does have lots of anti-Semites in it. So you weaken your position, you give in under pressure, instead of, of course, dealing with any genuine cases, but forcibly standing up when false accusations are being cynically used for political ends. And that's what's taken place in many cases here. Okay, so you mentioned um, a bit about how this could impact on Labour's chances in a general election in terms of Corbyn's lack of a fight, uh, potentially putting some people off from voting for Labour. What do you think this new situation in general means for Labour's chances in a general election? I think it's too early to say. Um, There are worrying signs, which is what we've been talking about. Um, And it's also certainly the case that the independent group, although they're small beer, there's not many of them at the moment, and they have no policies, uh, and if they were to explain their policies, nobody would support them. But nonetheless, they will stand and they will try to split Labour's vote. So that's a factor as well. I think it's also a mistake that, again, the Labour leader in Scotland has said that Labour is against a second independence referendum and would not grant one. Um, I've no doubt that he imagines he's saying that because he supports working class unity. But let's be clear, for working class Scottish people who want the democratic right which they absolutely should have to decide whether Scotland is independent or not in another referendum you are going to prevent no matter even if you stand on a good anti-austerity platform you're going to prevent those people voting Labour if you say that uh, you don't support another independence referendum they should at least say they support the right to it so that's concerning as well Um, but the most important thing is this tendency it seems to give in under the pressure of the pro-capitalist wing of the Labour Party and that that can give a perception of weakness but also could affect the next election manifesto. Look let's be clear if it's not Corbyn if it's the right of the Labour Party setting the election manifesto if what we get is millibandism austerity light will not be able to win. It will be very difficult anyway. I suppose the Tory party can always just collapse completely. But it will be very difficult to win a general election. So so all those things are concerning. But I think we also have to remember that before the snap election in 2017, Corbyn was behind in the polls, was actually retreating in front of the right wing a bit. That was being seen by working class people. And then the election was called. He came out with a manifesto, which actually was very moderate objectively and by historical standards but nonetheless was a a break with all the pro-austerity policies of the last 10 years contained lots of things that inspired working class people and Labour's vote went up by three and a half million the most in any election since the second world war so I don't think we should be saying now Labour can't win this election if he comes out fighting if they correct the retreats they've taken so far they could not only win it potentially they could win it uh, with a landslide. 
So that makes it quite an urgent situation then, doesn't it? So what is the Socialist Party saying has to be done now? Well, we've raised the idea of the immediate convening of a Labour movement conference that draws together all of the socialist fighters, the trade unionists, the anti-cuts activists, Labour Party members and others, to come together to discuss how we can transform the Labour Party. Actually, Chris Williamson is an MP who's had a record of fighting, for example, for mandatory reselection and raising that idea. As part of fighting his suspension, we think he should also be calling for that kind of conference that brings together all of those who want to fight for Corbyn to be elected on a left, on a fighting programme. But that, a conference, can only be a launch pad for what is needed. And that's some of the things that we've described in this broadcast of urgently fighting to transform the Labour Party, of changing it from two parties in one, as it is at the moment, into fighting for it to become a mass party of the working class, a democratic party with socialist policies. And as part of that, of course, we also have to discuss the adoption of a socialist programme that will be capable of overcoming the undoubted sabotage that Corbyn would face if he won a general election. Because the first step's to get elected, but that's not the end of the story. The Blairites, as far as they're still around, but the pro-capitalists in whatever form will try and stop Corbyn implementing a policy in the interests of the majority. And that's why socialist policies, particularly the question of nationalisation of the commanding heights of the economy, the banks, has to be something that we fight for as part of a discussion to transform the Labour Party. Okay, thanks very much for joining us, Hannah. No problem. If you agreed with what Hannah was saying there, we want you to join the Socialist Party. Leave your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join to discuss what it means to become a member. You can read more about the Socialist Party's proposals for the way forward for Labour by heading over to our episode notes at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review and click subscribe to never miss an episode.